0: Tired. So tired. Over-tired.
1: Hello, it's time. Um, it's summer. It, it's time to turn down the Van Halen and your Firebird and, and join us, Overtired. I'm Jeff Severns Gunsel. I'm here with uh, with co-hosts Christina Warren and Brett Terpstra. The band is together again. Um, and and last time I'll be here for a bit because I'm going to Kenya with my family. Um, and uh, so yeah, here we are. How are you all doing? I'm I'm good good hi Christina
0: <laughs> hello I'm, I'm pretty good too um, I'm a little overtired but not uh not too bad but um I'm just mostly just really glad that the band is is back together
1: yeah who's what instruments do we have here we have a trio um I'm traditionally the drummer but I'm, I'm
2: happy to be I'm I'm traditionally bass I guess okay
1: Christina that's guitar and singing y-
0: because yeah, we yeah, I can't let say, the bass I'm, I'm, player
1: or the drummer sing.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I'm. I'm, I'm traditionally the singer is is actually. <laughs> um, actually,
2: I really enjoy trios where the drummer has the mic. It's I amazing like to me that someone can drum and sing well at the same time. It's astounding. I um.
1: Well, I want to give you a different paradigm. My band Freedom Fighters back in the '90s. Uh, we had two guitar players, no bass player. And um, and I had the mic not to sing, but unfortunately to talk between songs, because my brother who sang and played guitar didn't necessarily want to. And that was not something that he always loved. Like he would he would try to count the song off while I was talking and I'd kind of go, oh, hold on, hold on. I'm not done. Wait, you don't count. You don't count. I'm the drummer. Yeah, that's like the main thing I'm here for. Admit it. You You need me to count the song off a little too fast. Five, six, seven,
2: eight.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. Well, let's go, band. Um, you know, we've decided we in our pre-show to cede mental health corner to Brett, who has lost a great animal pet and friend in Yeti. And Brett, uh, we'd love to love to hear about how how
2: just how you're doing. I am. So yeah. Um, Let's, I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a quick storyline for Yeti who has come up on this podcast before listeners will be familiar with my cat Yeti. Um, but at the age of 19 years and nine months, uh, wow. last Thursday, he, he was energetic considering like he's been deteriorating, right? He, he went from 20 pounds to six pounds, um, skin and bones but on thursday he was energetic and following me around the house and every time i would sit down he would jump in my lap and uh and just was with me constantly and then friday morning at 2 a.m he crawled into bed got under my covers and uh that was the last time he moved on his own um so for the duration of friday like I knew it was the end. I knew this was goodbye, and and I called a vet, and we set up a home visit for Saturday morning, um, where we could uh, give him some humane euthanasia in his in the comfort of his home. Um, but he uh, he he, we, I would put him on Friday. I spent most of the day working on the couch so I could be close to him, and I would put him in the middle of the couch, and I would sit in the corner, and he would pull his fucking body over to me and oh. bury his head in my thigh and then oh. reach his paw out for my hand like he was holding my hand oh. and and i have a picture of this and it breaks my heart every time i see it because yeah. like he was clearly he knew he knew it was the end um saturday morning i took him to bed with me friday night i laid him next to me and uh, Saturday morning at about five 15 AM, I woke up and I reached over and put my hand on him and he like looked up, took two deep breaths and then breathed it out and wow. he was gone. And that wow. was it. Um, yeah, he, he went peacefully. He went without a lot of discomfort. Um, and he was with me for close to 20 years and it's not a tragedy like there's no part of it that feels like, Oh, he was taken too soon. Uh, he had so much left to give. Like he gave me all his love and I gave him all my love for 20 years and sure there's a hole because he was part of me every day Yeah, for like 20 years. Um, so, so I miss him, but at the same time, like he did a real good job and, and we, we buried him Saturday morning and, uh, I can see his grave from my office. Oh. And uh there's a lot of there's a hole, there's a lot of sadness, but it's not it's so just a couple years ago I had to put down a nine month old kitten. I don't know if you guys recall. Yes, but I do. Yeah. That was awful. That that haunted me forever because that felt like a real tragedy. Uh like I was um, I was grieving not only the life of this young kitten, but also all the future I had planned with him. And, uh, the, in this case, like I knew the end was coming. I've known the end was coming for years. I didn't have a future plan. So I'm not grieving future Getty. I'm grieving just the, the hole that he left behind. So, yeah. so that's, that is my mental health corner right there, man.
1: Intense.
0: Yeah, I'm just I'm glad that you were able to have those moments with him and that you had all that time with him and that he was with you, frankly, you know, yeah. like okay. that, like that, that makes me really, really happy. And um, I'm just I'm so sorry, obviously, for having to go through it. But as you say, yeah, it, like I remember when when you went through the situation, it was with um, uh It wasn't Finnegan. It was Finnegan. It was yeah, it's Finnegan. Yeah, Yeah, Finnegan. Um, I remember how awful that was, and because of the the age and everything, and because you know you kind of hadn't hadn't been expecting it, and not that this is is any less like tragic, but you have the the experience of having time and knowing, like when I saw that photo of that you sent us of of the two of you together, which is just an amazing photo. It breaks my heart, but it also makes me like makes my heart full because you can just tell that these are two creatures that love each other so much, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, yeah. that makes me really like, just, I'm grateful that you, you both had that experience um, as, as, as sorry as I am and as you know, even teary as I'm getting um, thinking about this for you because this has to be so hard. Um, losing pets as we've talked about before is often can be harder than losing people but it feels like you were you were in the right place and you're in the right mindset to, you know, to be able to say goodbye and that you you had that opportunity to say goodbye. Yeah. You know, which is which yeah. I think is really important.
2: Like I honestly, for the last couple of years, I've dreaded the day when it was over. And I've been trying to psych myself up for it for years. And now that it's come. I'm actually really peaceful about it. Like I can, I can kind the sadness is kind of bittersweet. Um, like I can already just a week later, I can already like appreciate Yeti's life and everything he gave. Um, and it's not, it's not nearly as um, traumatic as I thought it was going to be to lose this part of me but uh, but bod our our graveyard kitten immediately after yeti's last day started filling in for yeti um, <laughs> like like she's obviously been watching him for like 2 years and figuring out like what yeti's role was and as soon as he was gone she's like in my lap she's yeti loved to have his chin scratched like if you if you started scratching at his throat he would lift his head way back And let you like just pet his entire chin and throat. And Bod never used to do that. Now she does. Now she like, she (laughs) pushes in and looks for your hand and then she like rolls her head back. And she clearly learned a lot from Yeti. She also learned how to be a very picky eater from (laughs) Yeti. Huh. Interesting.
1: I'm just so the part of that story with Yeti that's incredible is that that he waited
2: until uh you woke up
0: yeah right yeah that
2: is just unreal i know like he he was looking out for me as much as i was looking out for him at the end yes awesome
0: yes which is beautiful and like that's the sort of thing like i don't know i'm not a religious person at all obviously but things like that do make you i guess just happy that the universe works the way that it does
1: yeah sure yeah i know you hear so many stories like that with death of humans but not as many about pets.
0: That's what I'm saying. for, for me, yeah. like it's almost more powerful with a pet, you know, because yeah. because you, we do have different relationships with them, and and they're obviously we you know cats are smarter than than dogs, but like but but they have different, you know, they're still it's, it's a different thing, and so just knowing that that sort of empathy can exist between two different species is yeah is that, really, really that great.
2: was that is the word I would always use to describe Yeti was empathetic, yeah. like he was always in touch with my own like emotions and pain and joy. And, and he would support me through all of that. And it was like, sure. There's a certain amount of anthropomorphizing that I do with my pets. And I totally acknowledge that. Um, but yet he like, the concern in his eyes when I wasn't feeling well and the way he, if I had a stomach ache, he would like place his hand on my tummy, but not crawl on top of it his paw I mean. Uh-huh. His hand. See, I'm anthropomorphizing. But <laughs> um but yeah, like he was just always the most empathetic cat. Yeah. Bod Bod is not an empathetic cat. Bod does not give a fuck how you're feeling. She wants what she wants when she wants it. <laughs> Yet he was never like that. Do you ever make the mistake of anthropomorphizing humans? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've given you too much credit. That 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 <laughs> reminds me of the the I can't remember what qu- law it is, but uh never attribute to malice what can be just what can be adequately explained by incompetence.
1: <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, Rest in Rest in Power, Yeti. And it's not just that Yeti it was mentioned on the podcast a lot. Yeti comes into the screen. For for us on the podcast a lot and and even when I've worked with you in the past it's like that's also a presence both your cats
2: but so you can see I'm wearing my your Mcad M- shirt Mcad Explain. facilities not, this is this was the uniform I wore when I when I worked electrical and plumbing for Mcad which is and, uh, Minneapolis College of Art and Design yeah yep. and. I paid for my rent and my heroin habit by plunging toilets for uh, dorm people in the dorms, and and wiring light bulbs and replacing light bulbs in the in the art hall and what would you call it the art Atri- display atrium? area atrium oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah sure yeah 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 it was like two stories high and there were light bulbs way at the top and you had to get in one of those rising lifts and like you had this pole with a suction cup on it right you would like twist the light bulbs out and put them back in that was my job okay that was that was what i did and and they paid me i must have been like two hundred dollars a week oh
1: wow yeah that's which is not a lot for someone with a heroin habit
2: no really it goes fast but i also i also was doing a lot of stealing. So, okay, uh, hold on, let's,
1: let's stick with that. Unless you, I just want to, I have some questions about, about plunging. Um yeah. I know that, uh, so, you know, friend of the show, Danny Glamour used to do this work at a nursing home and, and he talked about having to uh, break some business up with a screwdriver at one point. <laughs> um, and I'm curious if you have any stories of things that shouldn't have been there that had plugged the toilet. Um, that's a, that's the question. I come from a plumbing
2: family. Sure. I'm, the most common things that I dealt with were tampons, yeah, in the toilet and hairballs in the shower. And so it was pretty much always women's apartments or yeah. dorm rooms that I was working in, and and I would show up with with this shirt on. The sleeves yeah. are the sleeves are cut off, and I would have a bullet belt, mix matched mismatched with a plumber's like. Um, <laughs> like belt, the belt yeah, with yeah, the bag yeah. on it yeah. and i would have a a a plier like a, one of those huge yeah, industrial like, like 3 foot wrench. long pliers yeah. over my shoulder and i would i would say i'm here to fix your drain and and they would get embarrassed and i would go in and i would show them the hairball that i pulled out of their drain <laughs> or i would <laughs> i would reprimand them these don't go in the toilet and uh, you just it, described you just described a calendar model
1: version. I know, of right? that
2: you know the thing over your shoulder? And, you I know, was. I sexy was sexy
1: plumbers of Minnesota.
2: I was, and I I realized in retrospect, seeing photos, I actually was pretty good looking. like i i might have been the best looking plumber on the campus yeah seems like you were really set up for kind of a cinemax after dark yeah right exactly
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm here to snake your drains oh yeah uh (laughs) all right thanks for that i'm the only person in my in my household out of four that knows how to plunge a toilet nobody's (laughs) interested in learning
2: I replaced, I had to, the, the tower and lever in our toilet broke the other day and I wasn't sure I would remember how to fix it. Uh, but I took a trip to Menards, which is our hardware store. And I, I bought a new tower and, and lever setup, and was able to install it without, uh, without having to resort to a YouTube video. So I'm pretty impressed with myself.
1: Save big yeah. money at Menard. Yes.
2: Yeah. And they play that on a loop all yeah. day long. And I oh, can't God. believe the people that work there oh, have no, to hear that constantly.
0: Uh, no. Okay. I think I've talked about this on the pod before, but I'll, I'll I'll repeat this. I worked at Best Buy in the year 2000 when Sting's song um, – uh, a Desert Rose was out. <laughs> and that song, like that, that that Christmas, I'll never forget having to come in. Cause I, I worked in media when I first worked at Best Buy. I worked in every department that I was working in the media department then because I thought that was most similar to my old role. And I didn't realize that I was immensely overqualified to work in that section. <laughs> like, like to the point that I was there for like three weeks and they were like, okay, how do we get you? On the management track. And I'm like, I'm 17. But <laughs> but, um, but but the, uh, the uh, Sting's Desert Rose was like playing and they had some sort of deal with Best Buy, I guess, sponsoring his tour or something. And I would come in – the normal shift time to come in was 6 a.m. for media uh, because you'd have to do a lot of CD sorting and put up things and whatnot. But I would come in on Friday, sometimes during the Christmas season at 5 a.m. And then in the really, really bad season, 4 a.m. And you'd have Ugh. to work for like a few hours before the the customers came in. And in the um, video department, they had like the TVs and the TVs would run songs and things on a loop. And this was something that you yeah. couldn't easily override the same way that you could like the, the music. Like we could put different CDs in um, the stereo system to listen to like while we were doing other stuff. But this was something that was like a demo that was set running on all these big screen TVs. And and there would be like a forty five second like loop of Sting's Desert Rose over and over and wow. over and over and over again. And imagine having to deal with that for hours at a time. I I cannot hear that song to this day. I'm mad at Sting to this day, uh, irrationally. And yeah. uh, so so those poor employees at Menards who have to hear that. Like I I hope that at a certain point they just completely it tunes out and they don't hear it anymore yeah. but man is that the worst thing ever
2: so you know, did, did only murders in the building like help you with your sting hatred or make it worse
0: i mean it it i it, i loved him on on that that was actually that, that, was, <laughs> a really was, nice that was, was a really nice cameo that was a really nice cameo honestly that that whole show is lovely uh i i like the i like the second season a lot too i'm looking forward to the third yeah. one like i i enjoy that show like well, well done to uh, the old men and their granddaughter. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, 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 right. You know, before we move on from our, our jobs as young people and music that we hated, I worked at a, a warehouse that was a music distributor, a bunch of different record labels, mostly CDs and cassettes, I guess. No records at that time. Um, I was uh, oh, 19 and... They would they kind of looped the music that they distributed, and and that was great because they distributed like Elvis Costello and like a bunch of great old sort of country artists that have been reissued and whatever else. But inexplicably, they also distributed Dangerous Toys, a band who in the late '80s had such hits as Teasin', Pleasin', and while we're while we're in the ends, there was also Sportin' a Woody, um, <laughs> and then there was uh, Take Me Drunk um <laughs> oh, and, holy and they were shit. they were just that's the worst and yeah and i was in shipping and receiving along with my friend um whose name i'll protect because i don't know what the statute of limitations is on destroying 30 counts of cds um <laughs> but <laughs> we were I'm right sure it's near
0: passed, yeah, good we, we were
1: right near the pallet of dangerous uh toys um uh, cds and 30 count boxes and every time the song came on it was a couple times a day he would pull one out and destroy it he would throw it on the ground. He
2: would stomp on it for every time it played. <laughs> so just what genre is this music? Is this oh, hair, hair metal? metal? Hair, hair metal. metal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly. I mean, sporting a woody. Like, See, it's, it's just, not. I don't know. It could have been. It's not a, Americana. It could have been a bare naked ladies kind of thing where they were yeah, doing yeah, it yeah, with yeah, sure. like a sense of humor from a Canadian
1: perspective. I no. And, and the singer uh, brandished a chainsaw. <laughs> Which was stolen from a from a Minneapolis hair metal band called Slave Raider. Um, which was my first first Avenue concert in sixth grade. They were they were playing with a band called Beat the Meat. Oh my um, God amazing so it was a sixth grade first time at, at, at first avenue 1986
0: i i i was about to make some i was about to like become an old person to be like i cannot believe that a band like you know had the name beat the meat and then i realized that my first short film in high school's title was polishing the bishop so there honestly <laughs> like,
2: there you go <laughs> they, yeah did they used to let 12 year olds into the main stage at first ave no, um, my my
1: friend's dad, so the the, the kid that that helped me in the music because he had a full like rock band set up in his basement because his dad managed rock bands and later race car drivers and wrestlers. Nice. And um, he got us in because he managed this band, which had like the only at that time their bass player was a queer woman. Oh, Can wow. you imagine? Like uh, it's just like incredible. But uh, and they were like they were thrilling as a band to me oh, <laughs> and the yeah. singer had a chainsaw
0: i was gonna say i mean and because because you guys you both talked about it but uh but you like but you especially jeff like you loved hair metal like that was your loved thing loved it loved yeah. it and and loved so so you get to see that you're 12 you know that he has a chainsaw i mean yeah I, I, wants- i'm not i'm not gonna lie like that would even now i would even be sort of int- i mean i wouldn't like seek out a band that did that yeah. but I, but I, if i was at a concert and that happened i'd be like Holy was shit. There, okay.
2: Yeah. Was there a sense of danger? Was there a fear that this chainsaw was actually going to hurt somebody? I mean, there was a point at which she
1: accidentally put it through the ceiling of a club. <laughs> and and at First Avenue, the ceilings are very high. But, you know, I think anytime someone's running an actual gas chainsaw or any other kind, but it was gas, right? You have a, a risk. Yeah. Um, but he used it well. One time he brought a, a full size cutout of Rick Astley way before Rick Rolling <laughs> and sliced it up with a chainsaw. <laughs> oh my <laughs> and god. And the drummer he, he irritated Rick Rolling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The the drummer uh would light his cymbals on fire and could do a one-handed snare
2: roll. Like truly amazing. Sure. Okay. I uh I used to go see this band uh Bio out of New York, and they it's like a 12-person industrial setup and they would uh they would flood the the hall with fog machine and then pull out nine millimeters with a strobe light on. And oh my god. Sure, it's a stage prop, I'm sure I'm sure. I hope. But there's this sense of like pants shitting danger when this group of truly demented yeah. industrial artists is pointing a nine millimeter handgun at you and you can't quite see what's happening
0: right and
2: there was this true sense of fear that i have never felt in a live show other than that
0: no i mean i'm not gonna lie like that's terrifying to think about like i think like guns at shows like that is not like yeah, that sure. is that is it not would,
2: it would be it would be way worse today than it was back in like 1995 but well,
0: yeah but 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 yeah i shoot I mean, It couldn't um, happen
2: today. No, it just oh could no,
0: not. no. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I told you, I've told you guys about the time my, my sixteen. This was like, it was one of the best buy guys. So I was like sixteen. It's when when my preppy ass like went to Guar, right?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, Guar, never saw. Yeah, and it, I, sadly. I,
0: I had, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea. Like I genuinely had yeah. no idea, and yeah. uh, that, that, that was an experience.
2: I went yes, to a, a Guar Halloween show in Chicago. It was insane. The you know, there's
1: also the Butthole Surfers. Uh, Gibby Hayes, Hayes, Haynes. Uh, there's a there's video of that band at Lollapalooza '91, and he fires a shotgun over the crowd.
0: Holy shit! <laughs> so, like Butthole three or Surfer. four times,
1: which was his which was his shtick when he could do it. And I mean, it's just like this was. But you're at Lollapalooza.
0: It... <laughs> like yeah, duck. Like, 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 like you're not like, I know, I know that's insanity. I, I mean, now, now, yeah. ho- now rightfully, well, well, you know, y- like, because now like what happens is that, you know, it, and it's usually hip hop artists or, 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 or mumble rappers or whatever. Like there will be guns like outside of things. And then people get arrested even if like nothing happens. And then sure. like back then it's like, oh yeah, we're going to make this part of the show in Chicago yeah. at yeah. Lollapalooza. Yeah. 40,000 people.
1: Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? The counterpoint to that is I remember seeing the flaming lips uh, I remember seeing the flaming lips at First Avenue and they had confetti cannons. Mm-hmm. And um in a in a place even though that's a big club in a place that small, uh, confetti cannons are intense and
0: awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. Taylor Swift has confetti cannons. Does she? She does. Man. And yeah. then people um after the show, because she does it at like the end of the show, people like Go around and try to collect as much of the paper, the confetti, <laughs> as they can. And I'm like, yeah, you guys. I'm like,
2: is it all out. branded? Is it? No, <laughs> well, no. With what with what you pay for tickets, you should absolutely walk away oh. with some confetti. I should at least get the confetti.
0: You're not wrong, but here, but here's the funny thing: if you buy things from her store or whatever, they include like these, like a like like a kind of what is it? It's not paper mache, but it's a it's like um tissue paper, like um in stars or hearts or other things inside the yeah. box. Um, yeah. Which is like a very nice touch, except if you're just trying to open something up and get it out. And then now all of a sudden you have like a billion little star cutouts in, in tissue paper all over your floor. And you're like, <laughs> thanks a lot, Taylor. Like, yes. so. This is, exactly. is
2: going to be a perfect segue into our promo swap for the week. Okay, But I do have to ask, did you guys read about the Taylor Swift amnesia? Yes. Like people going to shows and getting home and realizing they don't remember the show. <laughs> no, I want to hear yes. about it. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I was hoping Christina would be able to explain it better, but I think people get so They're like so emotional, intuit. emotionally yes. charged Yes, that they, they experience a type of amnesia.
0: 100%. And, and I can say, having seen the show twice now there is some truth to it. Like, it's not like a full on, like, I forgot the experience, but like in the moment, like you're very, very aware of everything happening. But then when you try to go back and reflect, it is kind of difficult to pinpoint the whole thing. I think it's two things. I think one, it's the emotional charge of it. Um, and in the way, and the reason I think that happens is because you literally are around 70,000 plus people who are screaming their heads off, who are dressed up, who are more excited than you've ever seen anybody to be at anything. Like I've never seen anything like this.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and then she plays for three and a half hours. And it's like that, and it's that constant, like high level emotion the entire time. And like people pregame. Yeah. I mean, kind of, I I think that, I think that part of it is kind of like an emotional overload thing. Right. Like I think that it's, one of those things. Cause like I, and I didn't take a ton of, uh, videos. I took some videos, but not a ton cause I wanted to enjoy the experience. And I certainly, I don't have like the full on experience but, uh, of, of amnesia, but there are certain moments where I'm like, oh, wow. Like I have to purposely really think about and remember things that happened yeah. because it was just, it becomes kind of a blur because of just the heightened emotion of everybody around you, which is contagious. So even if you don't have that, like my mom, was, was really brought into it. And, you know, she didn't have a lot of context for anything. And, and then just the fact that it, again, it is three and a half hours. Yeah. Like, and, and, and five different stage setups. And and the only break is literally like 90 seconds when she's, you know, changing costumes.
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. I have, I have no experience to relate to that. Like for me, the closest I would have gotten would be seeing Leonard Cohen. Uh, and he played for four hours. And Jesus. I remember like every song. I remember like every minute of that. I didn't have that emotional um elevation, yeah. I guess, that yeah. that you see in like true fandom. Yes. Like I'm a huge Leonard Cohen fan, but not to the level of like well, throwing my underwear at the stage. Totally. And selling children to get to shows.
0: <laughs> right, but 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 and I think the thing is is that even even then, though, like even if you didn't have that level with like Taylor Swift, if you're around, again, like seventy thousand other people, who are all really excited. Like not all 70,000 have to be that excited. Like if let's only say like 10,000 were, right? Sure. It becomes contagious. Sure. Where everybody then is kind of brought into it. You know, the screaming, yeah. the crying. Like my my voice was hoarse both days after. So soccer I,
2: is like that for me. I don't care that yeah. much about soccer, but I get into a crowd that really yep. cares about soccer. I will care about
0: soccer, right? And so I it's like it. that. So, so so it's like the it's like the dual like psychology. I think of but the, the longevity and like the emotional kind of build up being there, and then also you know kind of like the 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 power of the crowd and yeah. and that yeah. being contagious and being kind of on another level. Beyonce's new tour is apparently really long too, and I have I have to think that her like it's probably a similar experience for people so
2: yeah so speaking of music mm-hmm. hmm. have you ever felt the hassle of swapping between different shows just to savor your favorite mix of genres yes. well say hello to your new favorite audio hub cool.fm at cool.fm they get it i'm going to say at the top that's spelled k-e-w-l.fm uh just Just for clarity, Uh, you love the diversity swinging between adult pop, modern country, and classic hits, so they thought, why not bundle it all in one place? They have woven these three popular genres into a single dynamic audio adventure, keeping your earbuds on their toes. But here's the twist. They're not just about the music. Their lively DJs aren't your typical hosts, but true entertainers who are here to share stories, add personality, and ensure you're listening... Experience is nothing short of spectacular. Need a bit more spice? Check out their Saturday night dance party episodes where they spin everything from disco to hip hop and even throw in a country hoedown. And brace yourselves twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays when they play those once chart topping hits that have been lost to the sands of time. The cherry on top? Cool.fm is everywhere you are, online at kewl.fm or on your iPhone or Android device via their app or through the Live 365 app, and they're perfectly synced with all systems like Alexa, Sonos, and more. So, podcast listeners, gear up for the cool experience that's got everything. Visit kewl.fm today. That's cool.fm. I went like I went like radio announcer halfway through that.
0: I was gonna say that that worked. It that's
2: fit, it, it fit, right? And it was hundred
0: yeah. percent accurate. I should have just
2: owned that from the beginning. You
0: should have. Cause I think that that was the right read for, for that. So good, <laughs> good, good job with that. Um, also I was like looking at the music they played like in the last like hour or whatever. And, uh, they, they're currently playing like a, a Luke Combs song. So that's a country song. Uh, but it's his cover of fast car, which is actually a good I, cover.
2: Oh, that's a great song.
0: It's a great song. And it actually is a, a, quite a good cover. And, but previously they played I'm with you from Avril Lavigne, which great song. And before that, uh, if it makes you happy by cheryl crow And <laughs> before that
2: praising <laughs> you
0: by rita aura who i'm the only one who will get this and i'll just yep. say who um yep. yep well no that's that's a joke there, there, there there's a show there's a podcast called who weekly who shows, like their patron saint they constantly rather than mean us weekly they talk about the who's like the who is this person and she's like the queen of that yeah
2: well the, it works like, because Why? i'm like who
0: exactly so so uh very very good lineup i just have to say of, um, uh, all right.
2: Have you ever heard David Usher do fast cars? I don't. Fast Car? Or is this a sequel? Fast Car, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Fast Cars, Fast and Furious. Fast yeah. Car uh, Fast. That was kind fa- of fa- Fast, the fast Cars 2, Faster Cars. Um, <laughs> no, Fast Car. Um, David Usher did a cover of it that was it, like he's one of my favorite artists of all time. Um his album, um, Oh, I forgot the name of his first album. I'll find it. I'll I'll link David Usher in the show notes. Yeah, I, I, I haven't everyone heard his cover. Should check him out. His, I haven't
0: he- I haven't heard his cover, but it's that's one of my favorite songs ever. His so entire
2: career has been amazing. Like every album is different. He's like Fugazi, just constantly growing and until they he's, didn't. And he's Canadian, so if you're into Canadians, yeah. Anyway,
0: I mean, Canadians make great music. I mean, you're really on a yeah. Canadian kick. Like I really am bringing ladies.
2: up all the Canadian.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're going to like, like, bring up like our, our lady. Peace. Really yeah, you're going to bring up like our lady piece pretty soon. And we're all going to be like.
1: <laughs> so so here's the, can, we, can we talk about the original fast car? Because I, yes. I, I listened to it. My my uh, spouse has it on a playlist and I, I heard it song. the other night. Every time I hear that song, if I can really listen to it, it's like I've never heard it.
2: Like I, it's so beautiful. It's
1: actually, it, it just and the and and what what Tracy Chapman puts into that song, uh, is just it's incredible. It makes me not want to hear a cover, although I'm sure right these covers are good. I just it's just like that. Is it, Tracy Chapman is the embodiment of that song and yeah, she, is. for sure. It's now, crazy.
0: Now 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 have you all seen like the, the 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 thing from Wembley, from like Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday, which was this no. is what oh, made her a superstar. Yeah. So yeah. the backstory of this is that she had played like on a B stage because I don't even know how many people were at Wembley Stadium for that concert because this was broadcast all over the world. And, um, you know, these are are big, you know, UK football stadiums and people, it's standing room only. So it's literally a sea of people. And Stevie Wonder was supposed to go on in some sort of tribute and there was something wrong with his equipment and he basically walked off stage and didn't perform. I think he wound up performing later. And so they were trying to find somebody to like basically fill the time. And so they sent this 23-year-old... Um, who just released her first album, Alone, to this crowd who is not really that into hers, not really, you know, I think, she again, she played on the B stage. The, the song hasn't hit radio. Like, it's not anything. And she starts performing Fast Car. And when you watch this video, because it was, again, it was broadcast, you yeah. see the audience change. Like, you can mm. feel the audience change. You can feel everybody shut up. Yeah. And then it's just this crowd enraptured by this woman with this guitar singing this amazing song yeah. and then they give her huge applause and then when that because that happened like it she got like her first number one because of that and then it like even like went up the top of the charts in the uk even and and that's that was basically like that was it
1: wow nice. and and i just want to point out as i read about this and and watch the video without sound that um she was following ub40 yeah. So, hey, you know, um, yeah. If it's a, if this is the B stage, uh, it's a
0: no, 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 no. They put her up on the main stage. <laughs>
1: oh, got it, got it. She was supposed to be on she, the B stage. She had got been it. on
0: the B stage. She'd already performed like three songs. Yeah. And and then they needed somebody to to just fill in. And and I'm guessing that they needed somebody who didn't have a lot of setup, right? Because yeah. again, like it's supposed to be Stevie Wonder. He, you know, bitches out for whatever reason and uh because like his it, like there was computer discs or something for it's calling it bitching out is probably wrong. But um
1: I was say be careful. It's I mean, Stevie.
0: It, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's probably unfair. I don't know, but I, I I I don't know the details. I was five years old. I don't know. Yeah. But like yeah, yeah. um but but this uh but, but then this thing happens and um and it's kind of this amazing moment and um yeah it it, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But before the concert, she'd sold about 250,000 albums, which to be clear is impressive Um. today. Uh. But in 1988, I I, I don't know. And within the following two weeks, she sold 2 million.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. I'm so glad you, this is a piece of uh, music trivia. I did not know. Yeah. Um. And so I'm going to put it in the, in the place in my head that is the largest part of it. Um, and, uh, and, and put it in there with the music trivia (laughs) along with the, um, performance date of beat the meat at first Avenue.
2: (laughs) All right. What's next? Um, I would love to talk about, uh, the vision pro. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like us as a ostensibly a tech podcast, we had to get there eventually.
0: We did. Well, look, we're (laughs) Mac enthusiasts and we're we're tech enthusiasts and we're technologists uh, to a certain extent, all of us. And uh, yeah, Yeah, we got to talk about this
2: thing. I went into it. So I read all this stuff about how uh, Cook distanced himself from the project and how what he really wanted was glasses and and the Vision Pro. At the time that this article was written, they didn't know it would be called the Vision Pro. Um, But... I don't remember what the rumored name was, uh, but like basically everyone seemed disappointed with what was happening and they were going to put it out because they put enough R&D into it. And I went into it expecting to be underwhelmed. And by the time I got through that section of the keynote, the half hour long, one more thing um, I was sold and not sold enough to buy a gen one. Right. Like I'm pr- I, I'm resisting the urge to buy the totally. thirty five hundred because supposedly they have a cheaper model in Obvious. the works. They, they
0: have to. They have to. Right. There's right. no way they sell this thing and make it mainstream at 3500. There's just no way.
2: But the thing that like it's not designed for I mean, it's so okay, so they have like a gaming portion of it, but not in the way that No, that's Oculus, really not what it is.
0: No, this is this not is a productivity device. Is. The, the, yeah. This is and, this is this is a this is a facial computer. And Honestly. that's what I've
2: always wanted my Oculus to be. Like Same. if Oculus does not work with a Mac desktop, yeah. like you you can't load it up. No. Just the idea of loading up like I on my Oculus, I watch Netflix movies um, and I watch my own movies using Skybox and yep. I can sit back and it's like owning it's nice. a movie theater. Cause I can watch these movies like immersively totally. it, on a, on a screen I could never afford, but for $500 with an Oculus, I can, but being able to tie my keyboard and my trackpad in yes. and see my Mac desktop and have on multiple screens in yes. three-dimensional space, that's worth that. So the, the displays it, it, I it, use,
0: I was gonna say that's two, that's two studio displays.
2: Right. Exactly. The displays I use on my computer are not studio displays, but they're a thousand bucks a piece. Yeah. So if anything that gives me more screen real estate than these two 32 inch monitors, um, that's that's it's for an extra grand, like unlimited space. I can just turn in my chair and see Mm -hmm. all of it. Like I'm I'm sold. I'll wait till V2. I'll wait till Gen 2. But holy yeah. shit that blew me away
0: no i have a similar thing like i i had almost identical experience where i was on this week in tech that the day before uh, the announcement and they were asking me they're like well what is the thing that could make you agree to spend and at the time we thought it was gonna be three thousand dollars not thirty five hundred they're like what what would you need to see to make it worth three thousand dollars and what i said was i was like well if they could actually make this something that i could replace my monitors with and mm-hmm. use this as like a high fidelity, high resolution, kind of like infinite space screen. I could justify it that way because I do have a studio display. Um, I think it's a complete overpriced thing. I mean, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't want any other display. I want Retina. <laughs> um, and because and my, my main computing setup is, is a um, 27-inch iMac. And then I have the studio display next to it. And then I have my various CalDigit um, hubs so I can plug in my laptop um, or laptops, floral, um, to, to use it. So, but I would love to be able to, like you said, just have, cause I, I, I like watching movies on the Oculus, but I would love to just have that experience of having, you know, really high fidelity, you know, screens everywhere. Like that is yeah. kind of my dream. And that would be something I could justify from a you know financial point of view. And then that is what they showed off. And I went, shit, now I want one. <laughs> right. and, and then my, and then my friend ray um, uh, at at inverse he wore one and he was mind blown and when he was talking to me even like after he was like even more effusive than he was in his hands-on article and he had been really skeptical like he had been kind of ragging on it even after the the presentation right like he'd been in the audience at and in cupertino he was like nobody cheered he was like the energy was really off he's like this thing's stupid like whatever and then i texted him after he had his his demo the next morning he was like holy shit CMAC. he was like you're you're going to have to get one of these things like this is insane you have to see this you have to experience this and i asked him and i said i understand it was on the rails i understand that it was very you know like the, the demo was very constructed i was like but how different was the experience that you had versus like what they telepathed for us um at home because to me that's important because Almost always, what you see in those, you know, presentations of what it's going to be like is completely different than what the actual experience is. Like, uh, is very different for Hololens. Hell, it's different for Oculus. It's obviously different for Google Glass. And he said that it was basically exactly the same.
1: Crazy!
2: Wow!
0: And you know, so kind of—that's exciting.
1: Here's the here's the shame that it brought up in me. I noticed in the in the very, I mean. It was like watching Blade Runner, watching that promo. Yes. The lady would like, she's wearing like I I don't know what that is, like a very thick tablecloth with a head hole. <laughs> um, wore it great. Uh, and and there's a point at which the, she's doing her computing and she, there's a gesture where you look down. It's like, it seems mm-hmm. to be a meaningful gest- gesture. So I, I can't type without looking down. And I'm wondering Am I screwed? Do I not get to have no. this experience?
0: No, 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 no. No. So so what everybody that I've talked to who's used it and everything that I've watched said is they have this eye tracking capability that is just amazing. And so wow. the thing is is that the way the eye tracking works cuz they bought a company uh whose name I can't think of an Israeli company who was doing some really amazing eye tracking stuff. You do kind yeah, of a little calibration for
1: some really creepy reasons probably.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, probably. But but they were but, but they they um uh, you know, you, you calibrate it and then like basically it's so minute and it's so precise that when you look at something, like it knows where you're, you're looking at what you're trying to do. Um, uh, and, yeah. um, and, 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 it, and I guess it, it's looking at kind of like your fixed thing and, and then you can, the gestures are precise too, where you can just kind of pinch something or just kind of, you know, move something away and it doesn't have to be like in a certain field of view or anything like yeah. you don't have to like your, your gestures don't have to be in front of a camera or anything. Um it, to me, it reminded me of Minority Report, and, and that's what I thought when I first watched well, the presentation. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, then people have told me that, too. They're like, yeah, it was like Minority Report.
2: Like, I had a leap. I had a leap motion, and I really enjoyed, like, for Minority Report reasons, I really yes. enjoyed being able to, like, flip things around my screen, yep. cause actions to happen when I, you know, push three fingers versus two fingers. It was great. But it's a lot of physical activity.
0: Right. This is my Compared
2: news. Right. Exactly. Compared to just typing on a keyboard and using a mouse. Um, and I wasn't super down with the idea of waving my hands around all day. Right. So and I and Apple knows this.
0: They do. And they do. When it,
2: they when they wanted gesture tracking on their device, they wanted it to be something you could do in your lap with a couple of fingers. And absolutely. I think they nailed that.
0: Totally. And that's what everybody who used it said. They were all like. They were shocked at how precise the tracking was, and how precise even like little tiny little gestures were. Yeah, they were not expecting it to work as well as it did. And, sure, because um, we've
2: all we've all had leaps. <laughs>
0: I was going to say we've all had leaps. Yeah. We had connects. You know, we we've seen these things. And and in fairness to Minority Report, and I think that this is this is why Apple is smarter uh, than some other companies for some of these things. Also, in fairness to the other companies, Apple's had 21 years since Minority Report came out sure. to perfect this. <laughs> but, but in Minority Report, like the the tech that they were basing it on, which was real, like they exaggerated it because it's a movie. So right. you need to show sure. like the, the gestures of what's happening. Because I I, sure. ta- I talked to the some of the creative team like 11 years ago about that, and so you know, but that's not how you would really want this to be. But I mean. Um, I do think that people are going to look like dumb with it on. I don't think it matters. Oh my
1: God, the thing where your eyes are coming out. I mean, it's great. You can yeah, see there's
2: a lot of uncanny valley, valley, the, 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 the fake eyes and the way that you appear in a FaceTime call to other people. Yeah. Um, let's guaranteed to be pretty weird, at least at first. Um, it is what it is. I guess I'm not super concerned about it. I yeah. like the idea, even if even if it's not my realized, the idea that someone can see that I'm making eye contact with yes. them while yep. I have this, habit. definitely, because there's no way that's happening with an Oculus. No. You're yeah. just no. <laughs> flinging it around. It's relationally important. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no.
0: I mean, and and I think that the way that they. Other than like the one experience they showed off, which I think was rightfully kind of, um, you know, like um, made fun of where like the, the dad was recording things at the birthday oh party. Yeah, great. And, and, and I'm like. That's the like, everyone no. brings up. Which you should. I mean, honestly, because it's not a great scenario. Like I understand if it is a good camera wanting to capture moments. But at the same time, no, let's like let's like let's, like, let's all accept the fact that maybe you hire someone to do that. Yeah, right. right. And also, <laughs> can I just say.
1: As a as a parent who went through a lot of birthday parties, you need to be vigilant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I broke my own foot at a child's birthday party. Right. You know, like you gotta be careful.
0: Right. At least it was
1: your foot.
0: Exactly. That's true. That's a good call, because you don't want to have to pay for somebody else's. But (laughs) um but like putting that kind of aspect of it aside, like I think that really how they portrayed this to me, which I think is interesting because it's complete, it is Mark Zuckerberg mentioned this um in his comments and and i agreed with him um although i I kind of took a different response from this is that this seems like it's a very solitary experience which for me is completely okay like i feel like for these experiences like i'm not really sure if i'm all of my
1: computing is solitary right
0: like i was gonna (laughs) say i'm not sure if i'm comfortable with like the zuck world where we're all going to be pseudo together but wearing headsets like that to me is more uncanny valley and kind of fucked up than like if I'm yeah. in a scenario where this is my primary computer, or this is an extension of my computer, and I'm not supposed to be using this 24/7, right? right. Like right. I kind of appreciate that thing more. Like obviously, we know where the long game would be is that these things will get thinner and smaller and and more, you know, like glasses-like and and be able to be integrated in more ways. Fine, but we're not there yet, and and I'm okay completely personally being like yeah i'm 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 gonna be using this by myself you know
1: yeah right right yeah um friends i'm looking at the clock and i realize that there's a topic i want to get to which is christina's article on on gaming in the mac and i'm thinking with that and gratitude we might that might be it for us yeah does that feel all right
2: yep sure um
1: so Christina I want you to summarize for me as you as you did some of this in the article first of all tell us tell us, the article yes. where can people find it what is it
0: yeah, so I, uh, again, at Inverse, my friend Ray asked me to write an article um, about the, uh, he asked if I had any pitches, and, and I pitched this to him because I thought this was, other than the Vision um, Pro, the most exciting part of WWDC for me was that Apple released this game porting toolkit, which is a developer tool that is designed um, to basically let developers test to see how well their DirectX 12 games, and that means these are their Windows games running, you know, yeah. using DirectX 12, will work on Apple Silicon Macs. And so I looked into how this game game porting toolkit worked, and I realized that it's it's largely wine under the hood. Um, mm. Apple actually created like a, a like a twenty six thousand line diff to crossover, <laughs> um, and then they they put it inside a Homebrew file, uh, which at first huh. I thought was really insane. And then I realized that the reason they had to patch it that way is because. Crossover doesn't have – or CodeWeavers, the company, doesn't have a public Git server. So they just have their their source code like in, in tarballs. And mm. so this was probably the most efficient way to distribute a patch. Sure. It's st- still a weird way to do it, but, but it made more sense. And so basically, this is ostensibly a developer tool, but people have already figured out ways to – but it's clearly, A, been tested by people at Apple – um, to work with uh, modern AAA games like Diablo 4 and Hogwarts Legacy and um, yeah. Cyberpunk 2077. And um, basically using this, this you know game porting toolkit, which is similar to, to Proton by Valve, you can run x86 DirectX 12 games on Apple Silicon basically using two translation layers. So it's like it's translating the x86 code to ARM64 via Rosetta 2, and then it's translating the DirectX 12 calls into metal calls using oh, Apple man. stuff. But the performance is shockingly pretty decent and that's without yeah. any optimizations. So I wrote about this for inverse. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes and the, the article is called "Apple's secret weapon to getting PC games on Mac. And the subhead is it's the best thing to happen to Mac gaming in 30 years.
1: And, and the, and the buried lead is the bridge to gaming on the Mac is tarballs. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Tar, 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 tar balls uh, through uh through homebrew. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> um, updates. It was there hilarious. all along. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's I feel
2: amazing. Like, I feel like an Apple Homebrew formula showed up in your GitHub stars, and now I can't find it.
0: It did, and I, but I'll find it. I'll, I'll get Can it for I, you.
2: So I'm curious. Like
1: actually, seeing in the um Vision Pro like promo thing, seeing like how it looks when you hook up your PS5 was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if i have a ps5 and i can't wait but like i'm so curious why the utter absence of any other sort of gaming reference i get that that's not what it's for exactly but like they've got their apple arcade and all this stuff but like i watched it with my two teenagers and they're like it is insane that there is no actual gaming you know like highlighted here what's the story with that
0: so i i i'm of two opinions on this i think that it is it largely because they um, want to set expectations correctly, and mm-hmm. my my thought is on this. Like we're starting to get um, reports that the the uh, refresh rate in these displays are, are like ninety hertz or higher, and mm. so for gaming, that's going to take a lot of a lot of power and a lot of optimization. And I think that they're they're they are right now wanting to focus on experiences that they know they can deliver yeah i think that's actually in my opinion this is part of why they introduced this toolkit like it it is sensibly isn't for the headset but i think that this is how the only way they know they can potentially get games in mass in mass quantities on the headset they know that no one is going to be building these things natively for metal that's not going to yeah. happen yeah uh, that 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 ship has, has sailed
2: wait what are they called triple a games is AAA that A games yeah yeah
0: so, um, and, in AAA game developers don't, I mean, like I even mentioned in the article and, and every, every year at WWDC, we get some sort of gaming thing and it's always some four-year-old title. And this year it was no <laughs> exception. It's like a four-year-old game and we're yeah. all supposed to be excited that it's on the Mac. And I'm like, what the fuck guys? Like, <laughs> yeah. no one, this is never, this is never happening. Now I even said, I even tweeted during the keynote, I was like, gaming on the Mac is never going to happen. Stop trying to make it happen. And then a day later, when I looked at this you know, Apple, um, game porting toolkit, I had to sort of like, oops, like, yeah, eat my words a little bit because depending on how well they support some of this stuff, it, it now I think it actually could.
2: Yeah.
1: Huh. Interesting. Well, I was grateful for the article. Highly recommend it. Uh, you don't see that many, I haven't seen over the years that many like actual articles about gaming in the Mac. I see a lot of complaints. I see yep. a lot of rants, but like, giving that kind of the technical piece of it and the history of it, the way you did was great.
0: Thank you. That's what I wanted to do. Like a lot of other YouTube videos that already come out about it and some people had even written up the toolkit, but they didn't, I don't think they understood the, the technical stuff as well. And they didn't really yeah. understand kind of the history. And so I was really grateful that inverse let me write what I wrote. And, um, I was able to, you know, talk about the parallels between that and, um, uh, uh, proton, uh, for, for steam, you know, bringing gaming to Linux and look this this is all still in apple's court how much they want to support this but even if apple's like we're not going to continue to update this and we're not going to you know go out of our way to make op- you know uh, optimizations as, as little work as possible the gaming on mac community is already out in a fervor and people will come up with ways for people to be able to play their games much more easily and that that's already happening like 10 days after this this thing you know yeah. appeared which is exciting
1: yeah that's awesome awesome
2: who wants to grab to oh i'm super excited about my gratitude tell us well why don't you begin? I'll Kick it off um i want to talk about paprika um it is a a recipe manager that is available for every platform windows mac ios android probably chrome i don't know um but it is i've used a bunch of of recipe management apps over the years and paprika like it's you can any recipe on the web you can run through its downloader and it will take out the 20 paragraphs they always include of like how i went to tuscany and fell in love with this recipe and all this bullshit and it will get you just the ingredients and the instructions And the ingredients, it will recognize all forms of measurement. It can convert between uh, metric and imperial. Uh, You can scale it with a a dial of a button. You can say, I want to make this for four people, or I only want to make this for one person. It will scale the recipe. It will uh, adjust the uh, nutritional information based on scale. It will... uh, What... It has cloud sync. That's a big thing. Nice. So, like, uh, and and you can create a grocery list. You can pick the recipes you want to make for the week, and then create a grocery list. And it'll combine similar ingredients. Like, if you have one egg in one ep- recipe and two eggs in another recipe, it'll just put three eggs on your grocery list. And then it'll share that list between multiple people. And it's the sync is fast enough that if you're both in the grocery store at the same time, you can be checking off things as you pick them up and the other person's list will update in real time, which is fantastic. If you like, I don't do well, I can go to the co-op on my own, but it's way easier for me. If it's an errand hang, if mm. like, if L comes along and we're both in this together, Um, and, and paprika allows us to like split up the store and get it done in half the time. Um, you can, it's got cool features. Like while you're cooking a recipe and you have the ingredients list up, you can tap any ingredient to, to mark it off as you prep it. So you can keep track of your prep time. Um, oh man. Yeah. It's just, it's the best recipe manager app I've ever found and and it works for everybody and you can send like paprika formatted recipes to other people that use paprika and it can export as like html and pdf so if you want to share a recipe with someone who doesn't use paprika it's a click away it's it's awesome awesome
0: that's awesome i've i've thought about i've i've looked at this for years i don't cook enough um but you've almost got me sold even just <laughs> talking about this and and i genuinely cook so little That it would be like it it wouldn't make a lot of sense for me, Um, but that's that's awesome. Even
2: even just for grocery list management, it's it's awesome.
0: Well, and that's actually kind of what I'm thinking about. I'm like, hmm, I might be able to 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 do this. Um, And then there's there's an iOS app too, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I, I mostly use it on iOS, but I also have it for Mac, and I can like add recipes from my Mac if I find them while I'm browsing through like RSS or whatever. I can just open it up in paprika, download it as a new recipe, share it with anyone I want to. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
2: That's great. What about you, Christina? I all right, it doesn't matter.
0: Um, all right, so mine is is a uh, Typing Mind. This is a new um, addition to setup. It came out, I think, like like last week. And this was um, it, it, there's the website. If you go to TypingMind.com, you can kind of see what it is. It's basically like a better interface for Chat GPT. But the setup version is the Mac app because the the normal app is like fifty or sixty dollars or something if you want to buy it directly from them. Um, but the setup version is free. And not only can you bring your own um, uh, OpenAI key if you want to use like GPT-4 or whatever, but it also includes free uh, usage for uh, GPT-3.5 for various token sizes through Setup. So this is a really great way if you want something that's a little bit of a better user interface. And it also has like a thing where it can have like prompt libraries and you can sync things across devices if you want to. Um, and you can even like upload documents to do, um, stuff, uh, obviously be aware of the various privacy policies involved with, with these models before you do things like that. Um, but I think that, uh, this was one that I, I was just, I was really impressed by, um, to, uh, to see that it's, it's on setup and and it's free now. So if if you're a setup user, uh, but I, but I really liked the the user interface as well uh, as a Mac app. So, so typing mind is, is my pick of the week.
2: Nice. I gotta try that out. I have I have loaded so many I mean, once they opened up the API, like the market was flooded. Totally. And there's a whole bunch of fucking spam too. Yeah. Like, uh actually like malware claiming to be chat based.
0: Yeah. Um they have an official um app now and for iOS, by the way. There is an official oh, there is an official chat app. So that is like like OpenAI actually made an app, which is I think really important. So, yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I've tried so many different interfaces and this is, I love setup and I love um, local native apps. So I'm going to give this a shot.
0: Yeah, you can, you can self-host it um, uh, on your own domain too. I don't know if you can do that with the setup version or or not, but I know that's something you can do with like the the other version. And so um, I I'd be surprised because I think one of the rules of setup, right, is that they, it can't be any different or whatever right
2: right it has to be full functionality
0: yeah so i'm not sure how all that works um but uh but yeah i i um i looked at this app when it came out and i was just like i'm i'm not gonna spend 40 or, or 60 dollars on a wrapper you know for for this you know website like as nice as it looks or whatever i'm not going to do that uh but um as part of setup I, i've given it a shot and i've, I've enjoyed it so yeah.
2: Real quick before Jeff goes, have you guys seen the AI generated image-based QR codes? No. No. Oh my God. They it's like with AI, with stable diffusion and open AI, you can generate photographic images that have QR codes built into them. And I will put some links to a Twitter thread in the show notes. Uh, but there's now a discord server where you can go to generate these yourself with, based on any QR code you want. Wow. Um, what, I, I, I would show you right now so you could react in real time, but I'll just drop it in the show notes. Um, it is there. It, fascinating. It's amazing. Awesome.
1: That's really cool. sounds great.
2: Um, I've got a
1: craptitude wrapped up in my graptitude. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> this is such a stupid graptitude, but I have been forced to use Google Docs constantly for the first time in my life. <sighs>
2: it's, and- it's the worst.
1: I find it maddening except for one stupid feature that they just added that I I really appreciate. But first, can I just complain about two specific things that drive me crazy? Please do. So the only way I can work in like word is in terms of like formatting stuff that makes me crazy is there, you can show non printing characters like paragraphs and line breaks and you can see where it's mixing those up and stuff. And you can actually find and replace those things, you know? So like, If you need paragraph, paragraph, but it's paragraph line break, you can like you can find paragraph, paragraph and and replace it with paragraph line break. Right. So Google added non printing characters that you can see. But you can't fucking do anything about it, so you just go through the same maddening process of trying to like change the formatting while watching the non-printing characters not change. And I know there's like there are there are ways in which to do this, but it should be so intuitive. And the other thing that makes me crazy is when you're formatting, like you can format, you can make custom formatting for headings one through like six, but you can't make one for like quotes. I just just don't understand how how that doesn't exist. Anyway, my gratitude is for this very simple. functionality called uh, approvals that they've just added um, where you can formally request approvals from people so that instead of just like collaborating and feel like people feeling like people are done commenting um, you can actually ask people to be like, Hey, check off on this. Like, are we done with this? You know? And um, in my work and with our organization, that's like really important because it's so easy for a, a version to go out as final. That actually wasn't final. And there, and there's, there are definitely people on our teams that you want to see a document because they're gonna <laughs> spot the things, you know what I mean. And um, and, and it reminded me actually of something I loved about my very first like sort of job, which was um, working for this organization that that sent like delegations to Iraq during sanction era uh, Iraq and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, our the the woman who started that organization if we all worked in one room with like four computers, all named after um, like Mark's brothers or other people back in the day, I don't know who did that, but she would, if she would write something for publication, like an an op-ed or something like that, no matter who was in the room, if it was just a couple of like volunteers from the art school that came by um, for the day. She would put everyone's name on the document. She printed out, put everyone's name on the document with a check checkbox, and and she would just want everyone to read it and, and make sure that they felt like it made sense to them. Like If they spotted something, you would all check it off. And it made for such good outputs. And, uh, and so anyway, I've been talking about that in my teams forever, but now there's like a way to do that in Google Docs, which otherwise drives me crazy. That's all. I gratitude, Love I feel it. like it's a bad habit. It's bad juju to bring in gratitude because this is all about gratitude. No, uh, no.
0: I think look, look, look. Google <laughs> is a nearly trillion dollar company, or maybe they are over a trillion dollars. I'm not sure. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, no, they are a trillion dollar company. They're not a two trillion dollar company. That's what it is. Um, and in <laughs> Google Docs, like we're grateful for the collaboration method, but also I think yeah. it's completely fair to be like, it sucks.
1: Yeah. Like what, a lot of what, ways. You, it sucks. <laughs> you need a non-printing characters team? Like, what's going on?
0: No joke. Like, I I, I struggle with it because we, we use it at GitHub. And and then I, like, when I was writing you know, this thing, I've written a couple things for Ray now. And, and I, like you, have never, even when it's been the primary thing that I've used at every other organization I've worked at, but Microsoft, I've used it as sparingly as possible. And I've, yeah. in the last year, had to actively use it. And I'm just like, I hate this. Um, God, it's so
2: frustrating, and it and
0: yeah. it's not that word is even better, but yeah. it's better. It
2: is, um, yeah. I'm,
0: and and I'm like, I'm, yeah,
2: I'm writing for a publication right now where like we do all our drafts through with markdown files, Love but that. before yes. I submit the final, I have to convert it to a Google. Yeah. Tab. Yeah, yes. same. I do that too. That's, I do that's it all the, the time. Like, what, what, that, yes. what fucking CMS are you using that it's easier to go from a Google doc Thank to your you. CMS than it is from a Markdown file? No,
0: I I, I have the same question. I mean, well, that was a problem that I actually like it was Nashville when they switched to their own CMS. That was one of the things that I had to like make them make product changes for because they really they were <laughs> like, oh, well, you can just paste from the Google doc. And I'm like, you, you don't understand. I go out of my way to not do that. Right. Yeah. Like can I just type in the the plain text or the, the HTML or I wasn't even going to ask for Markdown cause I was like, that's not going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Beauty, you know, the beauty of Markdown is that when it converts, it literally can't create invalid markup. Yes. Right. Like, a word document or a Google document absolutely can create 100%
0: and will make it awful. And that's the thing is like no CMS in their right mind for good reason. Even the Microsoft ones would be like, Oh yeah, paste in. And I've worked on some really terrible Microsoft CMSs that vendors have built that are, I've seen things that you can't unsee. (laughs) But but even in those scenarios, you would not have people pasting in word docs because people know better. Like I I think word is better than Google docs, but I still would never want to paste that, that, stuff into any other thing even another word doc i'm like eh. yeah but yeah. but so why why somehow people are like oh but google docs is somehow different it's like no it's actually not and in some cases it really it's isn't. worse because it's yeah. not as well documented and and you know like
2: and it's a less of a structured document format than even a doc that, x is well yeah. that's what i was
0: gonna say you can add a zip to uh you can replace doc x with dot zip and you can see the structure of the document and yeah. open up all the xml and See everything you need to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that with a Google Doc.
1: And no. Brett, I, th- I think we all know how um, the CMS you were describing came to be. It was an IT conference. It was <laughs> it was the company with the um, the highest number of perfectly uh aligned sort of polo shirts with just the, the just the right size of the logo and yep. then the best the best party the best like uh banquet right oh yeah like, oh absolutely. yeah that's how you end up with these cms best best dj yeah best dj yeah and the
2: it guys are like whoa, doing our-
1: a little dance you know yep. yeah this is all right my people are gonna love this
2: all right thanks jeff thanks for making the time
0: yeah for well all of us
2: yeah no that's all right that was great thanks christina this has been fun it's good to be back together we're gonna miss you jeff yeah Yeah, we are have an amazing time
0: have an amazing amazing time with the family um and hope everybody stays like well this time like nobody's allowed nobody's about no one's allowed to leave the house or. Yeah, we've been
1: sick. conscious of that since my last one was canceled by COVID. Yeah, that's exactly. what I'm saying, yeah. right? Like, like, yeah. every, like yeah.
0: everybody like got like, the rules where you're like, all right, yep. like, we're, we're in lockdown.
1: Totally, exactly. That's how I like it. Um, uh, Well, get some sleep. Get a long sleep Well, I'll get be gone away. Mm-hmm. The system is going down low. Hey there, good people. Before you go, we have a bunch of new places where you can interact with us. Please check out our Instagram feed, our YouTube channel, Twitter, of course, and sign up for the Overtired newsletter, which will sort of pick up where the show leaves off with expanded show notes, uh, a little bit of what the three of us get up to between episodes. And let's face it, there'll be some musings. How can you resist musings? You'll find details for all the ways to interact with us in the show notes and at overtired.com. And thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for listening.